Would you open God's precious holy word to Luke? And we've come now to verse to chapter 24, and I want us to look at the first seven verses. We started our journey in Luke in October of 2016. <laughs> we've the world has changed since then. If I play this just right, I might finish the story of resurrection and ascension just about Easter time. That'd be neat, wouldn't it? Okay. The hope of resurrection realized in the Son of God. Let's look at it and then I may be more topical today than usual. I, I don't really like topical messages that much. But the topic of the resurrection is just so special and powerful. It's the crux and foundation of what we believe and who we are. The powerful work, act, result of the earthly ministry of our Lord, Jesus Christ. So we'll look at these verses and then we'll talk about the hope of resurrection and its realization in our Lord Jesus Christ. Beginning in verse one. Now in the very early dawn on the first day of the week, they came bringing spices that they had prepared. Okay, go back to, if you think back to the last few verses of Chapter 23, the women followed and watched where Joseph and Nicodemus laid the body of Christ. And so they took note of where he was. They were going to come back with spices. But it was coming the Sabbath, and so they couldn't do that on the Sabbath. They would have to wait till after the Sabbath, which would be the first day of the week. So here's where they are. Then they found the stone having been rolled away from the tomb. Let me say this. And it is not the purpose of the message today to put all of the events of the resurrection together from all of the other gospel accounts. We're just going to stick with the gospel. Just suffice it to say that things happened along in this time period. But having entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened while they were perplexed about this. But behold, two men standing by them in dazzling garments. Then having become terrified of them and bowing their faces to the ground, they said to them, why seek you the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Risen, he is, he is risen. Egerthe, Allah Egerthe, but he got up. <laughs> And walked out. He's risen. Remember how he spoke to you while in Galilee saying, it behooves, it unctions, it is greatly necessary. It is encumbered upon the son of man to be delivered into the hands of sinful men and to be crucified. And the third day to arise, Christ never hid from his followers or his disciples 
these truths that he would be delivered over as a criminal, crucified, third day, rise again. Through last time, we were following closely how this, especially in the Gospel of Luke, followed the prophecy of, of Isaiah 53. Christ gives the outline. This is what's going to happen. Although the, his disciples were mostly in denial during this whole time. So, we'll say a few things about resurrection. Resurrection. The hope of resurrection realized in the Son of God. This is our hope. This is the hope of many of our forebears who have gone before us. We know in our hearts that we have loved ones, friends, and even before that, saints of old and <coughs> patriarchs, prophets, apostles. I mean, you just go through the whole thing. Awaiting the resurrection of the just. The first resurrection. Finally realized in the Son of God. The first thing I want us to take note, there's so much to say, I'm just going to hit a little thing here and there. The hope of resurrection was in the hearts of Old Testament saints. Now this comes from Hebrews 11, and it begins in verse 33, but it's, it's sort of right in the middle, a little toward the end of Hebrews 11, but it is a summary of all of the patriarchs and, and the prophets and Old Testament saints. And it speaks of them and says, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the mouths of the sword, acquired strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put to flight the armies of foreigners. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Then others were tortured, having not accepted release or, or deliverance so that they might obtain a better resurrection. In this passage, it speaks of how Abraham was looking for a city, not a city built by the hands of men, but a city whose foundation is laid by Almighty God. The psalmist, even in the wonderful 23rd Psalm, spoke of living in the house of the Lord forever, even though he would walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And doing thus, he quickly proclaimed that Shepherd Yahweh was with him and that he had no fear because the shepherd goes first and whatever the danger is in the valley of death, the shepherd will defeat it and they'll all emerge on the other side. And he would live in the house, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We could go on and on. On the day of Pentecost, 
Peter preached to the thousands. And one of his texts, one of his main texts came from Psalm 16, which spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. Here, the last line says that all these Old Testament saints, just briefly summarized here, and then in the greater portion, the greater text of Hebrews 11, described a little more clearly, some of them a little more than others, but they all had this. They had the hope of resurrection. Many times the enemy would bargain with them and the enemy would offer them something so that they could live, but they would rather die and be tortured so that they could have a better resurrection. You can go back to one of the earliest post-flood that was written about, that's Job. The, the hope of resurrection was in the heart of Job. Here it says from Job, this is from Job 19, beginning of verse 23. Would then that my words be written. Now he was troubled. He had physical troubles. He had emotional troubles. His family was gone. His, his wealth was gone. Once the wealthiest man in the East, now the great, well, this greatest man has become so pitiful, has become the most pitiful man. And he speaks about it. And he never curses God. Would that my words be inscribed in a book with an iron pen and lead forever on the rock they should be hewn. But I know that my Redeemer lives. Goel. In this case, Glee. Goel. That's a kinsman redeemer. Someone with whom you have special kinship, who is the only one who has the resources to deliver you from otherwise fatal poverty, to be so impoverished that you wouldn't even have what it takes to live and you would die. But the Goel, the, the kinsman redeemer, joins all that he is and all that he has to your poverty and provides life. So this is how Job in the 2000s BC, some say perhaps a contemporary with Abraham, some say maybe a little before Abraham. I know that my kinsman redeemer, the one who will give me that which I cannot give for myself here as a man, a whisper away from death, covered in boils and flies and maggots, despised just about by all who see him, even his friends were turning it, so-called were turning against him. And I'm not sure about his wife. She said, curse God and die. How'd you like to have a pal like that when you're sick? There is someone who lives who has the power to give me his power 
so that he joins who he is with who I am so that I can be joined with who he is. That's Goel. I know that my Redeemer lives and at last he will stand on the earth. But he won't be alone. Next verse. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I will see El Awa, very God, whom I will see for myself. My eyes will see, even though my skin has been destroyed, yet still I will see him. And he will not be a stranger. And this completes all that I am. This completes who I am. That's what resurrection does for us. We're stumbling along in a pathetic life. And I'm, I'm not sure. I've thought back over life and I'm thinking, what is the best day that I've ever lived? I can't think of one. I guess it's because I'm old and my knee hurts all the time. Makes you cranky. My point is this. My best day hasn't come yet. You see. And this is how old Job felt. Miserable. In a dung heap. Well. And this is his hope. When I see him, and it'll be my eyes that'll see him, even after my skin is destroyed. But in my flesh, I will see very God, Goel. He didn't know his name was Jesus. He just knew he was. And he won't be a stranger to me. And this will complete me. Saints of God are incomplete. Even those who have departed, they're not yet glorified. They're somehow clothed upon in an intermediate state. They have consciousness. There's too much in the Bible to tell us otherwise. But Paul writes to the Thessalonians and he talks about the coming of the Lord. And he says, and he speaks of the dead who are, who are already dead in Christ. He says he will bring them with him. So he brings them in their intermediate state and they're joined in resurrection and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I'm not all that I am and Job in his very early day knew that he hadn't had his best day yet. It was still to come. The hope of resurrection was in the heart of the psalmist. From Psalm 49, it's probably verse 15 in your Bible. It's verse 16 in the Hebrew text. But God will redeem my soul. There's a, root, there's a form of that word. From the power of the grave, he will receive me. Silla, think about it. Meditate on it. Stop a minute. 
He will redeem my soul from the power of the grave and the grave is very powerful. None of us, unless the Lord comes, please Lord, come quickly. Unless the Lord comes, none of us will escape death. Not a single one. It is appointed unto man once to die. That's it. Physically, you will die. If you're here without Christ, you will have to die twice. You will die physically and ultimately in the second resurrection. The resurrection to damnation. But it's appointed to all of us. In Adam all die. We cannot help it. It's a powerful thing and it affects everybody. We cannot escape. Even the saints of God cannot escape physical death unless the Lord comes and we are caught away as the last of the generation of Gentile believers. Well, that hope was central to the preaching of the apostles. It is central to the preaching of the church. And so just represent with how many, the New Testament is replete with texts, but let me first choose 1 Corinthians 15 beginning in verse 20. However, now Christ has been raised out from the dead, first fruit of those having fallen asleep. For since by a man death came, also by a man resurrection of the dead. For indeed, as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made Alive. Abel was killed and he dropped dead. In the course of time, hundreds of years it was, but in the course of time, Adam fell dead. All of the progeny, all of those who live are in Adam. We are in Adam physically. In Adam all die. One man died, the federal head of our race. Thus we all die. And then comes Jesus. One man was resurrected out from among the dead. And so in him, all will be made alive. God's in charge of that. I referenced this earlier, 1 Thessalonians 4. For this we declare to you in the word of the Lord, that we, the living remaining unto the coming of the Lord, in no way shall precede those having fallen asleep, because the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Will rise first. 
and estesontai. Resurrection. Then we, the living remaining, will be caught away. The root of that is harpazo, to be seized from impending danger. We'll be seized together with them in the clouds for the meeting of the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. This is the crux of Christian belief. Christ is risen. All who are in Christ will be risen. Now think about that. His resurrection assures our resurrection. This is from Romans 8, 9 and 10. Now you're not in flesh, but in spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. If however anyone has not the spirit of Christ, he is not of him. But if Christ is in you, indeed the body is dead on account of sin and the spirit of life on account of righteousness. Now if the spirit of the one having raised up Jesus out from the dead dwells in you, the one having raised up Christ Jesus out from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies on account of his spirit dwelling in you. Ephesians teaches us that the spirit of God is given to us, those who are in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God. We are saved. The Holy Spirit of God takes us and immerses us, joins us to the body of Christ. We are baptized with this spirit baptism. This is the, this is the baptism that saves you. And with that, God gives to us his spirit. Ephesians explains it. It's a down payment. It's an earnest payment. It guarantees your resurrection. It guarantees forever. From the, You're a Christian. You're a believer. You are of Christ. His spirit is in you. No one can take it away. Nothing can take it away. In the language, we learn that it's there and it's given and it's not going to be taken back. If you have his spirit in you, that spirit is the spirit that raised him from the dead. And in me, that same spirit will raise me from the dead. Because of his spirit dwelling in me. The power of the resurrection. God has declared it to be so for me as being in Christ, having deposited his spirit in me. Where is the temple of, of God today? The spirit of God dwells in the lives and bodies of believers. The temple. That spirit will raise me up from the dead. This is the great gospel message for people who will hear. I cannot open the ears of people. Only God, the Holy Spirit, can do that. I'm commanded to proclaim the gospel, to tell others of Jesus Christ, and in explaining and teaching and preaching Jesus Christ, tell them the good news. In Jesus Christ, you'll never die. 
If you have faith in the Son of God, if you have faith that He is the Son of God and that God has raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. And you will live forever. Look at this. We must believe in His resurrection in order to be saved. If some Christian comes, so-called Christian comes along and says, I don't believe that Jesus was ever raised from the dead. Well, he's not a Christian. He's not saved. Here's what the Bible says. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him out from the dead, you will be saved. You see, you can't believe that unless God puts it there. Unsaved folks, unbelievers, they're dead in trespass and sin. The Bible means nothing to them. It doesn't live. They get nothing out of it. They can laugh at it. They can mock it. It doesn't mean anything to them because they're spiritually dead. The Bible only speaks to those who are spiritually alive. That's why we as believers regard the Word of God as absolute truth. This is it. Nothing is ahead of the Word of God in this life with what I believe and read. And I have to base my worldview on whatever the Bible says. It may not be popular for a time. It never has been popular. But what difference does that make? All I can say is, you have your worldview, and it's out of step with the Bible. You have no fellowship with me. I'm not going to declare you lost or saved. That's up to God. But you have no fellowship with me. Because what part of the Bible would I deny? You've heard me say this before, how W.A. Criswell talked about what he called half-infidels. Whom he said were inspired, that the Bible was inspired in spots and they were inspired to pick out the spots. It's all or none. It's all or none. This is how we're saved. By believing in the Son of God who is so great and so powerful that he could take all of the sins of his own upon himself. And take the penalty and the punishment of it and in himself put it away on the cross, buried in the tomb, and come out glorified, leaving all the nastiness of who I am behind and be in glory and prepare a place for me and bring me to himself some wonderful day. That he is so mighty and so powerful that he took upon me, upon himself, my sins and all of those who are in him, their sins, and simply put them away, destroyed it, moved it as far away as it can be moved from himself, from himself. And when he was raised, I was raised. Can you see that? In the mind sight of God, I'm already raised. God is already there. This is how I'm saved. By believing that he is everything. And I'm nothing.
that I am the sinner and he is the Savior and he takes away my sins. I can't take them away. I can't even avoid them. I have no idea what I will do later today or tomorrow. I might get so mad I'll spit on the sidewalk. Or worse. I don't know. Satan knows me. He'll lay a trap for me. And he knows my weakness. And he'll just say, come here, kitty, kitty. <laughs> and he'll put something out there that'll look so good. You know what I'm talking about. Too many times I've fallen in those traps. But you know what? We talked about Romans 8. The same spirit that raised Christ will raise me. It ends like this. Nothing above, nothing below, no power that exists in heaven, on earth, under the earth, no power, spiritual power, governmental authority, human power, no power, nothing, nothing today, nothing yesterday and nothing tomorrow will ever separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Because he's my savior. He's so great. And so powerful. That he not only just died to save me. He lives to keep me saved. I have a lawyer in heaven. He's never lost a case. He won't lose a case. Never lost an argument. I have an adversary who brings charges against me. And I'll bet you that every charge he brings against me is true. But the one who argues my case has already paid the price to set me free. And to cleanse me of that charge. He already has. And he is resurrected. He's glorified and so shall I be some infinitely glorious day. I will stand with saints and angels. I will stand with prophets and apostles. I will stand with family and friends. And I will live forever. There will be no more tears and the sin will be gone. Glorified means that everything that's bad was dropped in the grave never to haunt me again to bask in his glory to live in his beautiful heaven forever and ever and then someday you know from what I get from the Bible those who are already in heaven are longing for the resurrection just like I am they're not all that they're going to be just yet. Even in the revelation, some of those who come out of the tribulation, they're in an intermediate state, but they're not resurrected yet. And they ask the, they ask the Lord on his throne, how long are we going to have to wait, man? I guess you can ask a question if you want to in heaven. I have a feeling I'm more likely to keep my mouth shut and just listen to what everybody else says except the part of praising him. 
One time in my life when I was 10 years old, I went to a birthday party. And I stepped out on the floor and I did the twist with a little girl. <laughs> That's right. There's a, there's a thought you won't ever get out of your mind. Listen, up until glorification, that's the only time I've ever danced. But I'm liable. I'm liable to dance. If everybody else does it and it makes Jesus smile, I'm, I may look stupid. But I don't know if glorified people can look stupid or not. I'll figure it out then. Listen, you want to live forever? You come to Christ. He paid the price. He, takes, he, ta he paid the bill. You don't have to pay anything. The account is settled. Those who are His, the account has always been settled. And in His timing, according to His will, and in His way, by His purpose, He brings you to Himself as He sees fit. If you're here without Christ, I don't know why you'd walk away from a deal like that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And He came into this world to save sinners. According to the blessed, precious, holy Word of God, if you will admit that you're a sinner... If you will believe in Jesus Christ to be your Savior, and if confessing sin you will call on Him to save you, God is bound by His Word to save you because the only way that you can come to that sincere, heartfelt place is if God plants it in your heart. It's all of God and none of me. So today you are invited to come and just, if you would, take me by the hand. And, you know, just coming down here and taking me by, by the hand, let me pray with you. It's just, that, that states it publicly. Maybe you're here, you're already a Christian. And God leads you to come and be a part of this body of believers. Where here you can study His Word, serve Him, and fellowship with other believers. The invitation's over for you as well. Father God in heaven, bless this time. You are the Lord of all, especially now. And we withdraw and submit to you in whatever you do, Lord. However it works out, we'll thank you and we'll rejoice in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing, okay?